Hello, and welcome back to the EV Life Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal, and I'm joined by Allison. Yes, Allison Bench here, the producer of the EV Life Podcast. And today we have a really great episode. I say that every episode, but I will continue because I think every episode has such great content. We're going to be chatting with um, Matt Carpenter, who's an instructor from the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, about the school's automotive department and how they've adapted in recent years. Yeah. So last season we spoke to someone from Nate and we thought it was only fitting that we talked to someone from State this season. And as cars are changing as the technology and vehicles change the technicians have to adapt to those changes right you we want our technicians to be fully equipped to work on whatever type of vehicle we're driving mm-hmm. and these these um like schools all across canada are always kind of adapting especially these ones with these technical programs right like mm-hmm. you want to make sure that the students are aware of the 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 technology that's being used in the industry right now. And, you know, as more people out there are buying electric vehicles, they need to make sure that the experts fixing these vehicles know about them. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Matt shared a lot of really important safety considerations that technicians need to be aware of before digging into an EV um, and how that might be different than an ICE vehicle. You know, whenever you're working with heavy machines like vehicles you there are lots of safety considerations you have to be aware of but it changes as the technology changes so he shares that he shares a bit about how the vehicles are the same and just how like you mentioned they're preparing their technicians um for these changing technologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just nice to hear from someone who works on this works on vehicles every day talk about those kind of more technical aspects of it. And mm-hmm. I understand that you also chatted about regenerative regenerative braking, yes. which I know is something that a lot of people are curious about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Matt gives us a really good description of what that is and how it works. And I think you'll find this interview pretty interesting. So how about we just dive right into it? Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining me on the EV Life podcast. Hi, Crystal. Pleasure being here. Thank you. So we're so excited to talk to you today. But before we kind of get into, you know, the good stuff, can you just tell us a little bit about your role as an instructor at SATE and what courses you teach? Sure. I've gone through the gamut at SATE. I've been here about 20 years. Uh, Ten of those years were in management where I was overseeing the entire automotive department. For the, the years that I instructed, and I am currently an instructor, uh, I've taught in the apprenticeship program. I've taught in our AST diploma program. I've taught some pre-employment and I've done some corporate training. So I've kind of gone through the, the rundown of uh, the entire area of automotive service training. Right. So you've kind of been around in like all the different areas of it. And just for our audience who may not know, AST stands for? Automotive Service Technology. It's a two-year diploma program. So just to summarize the programs quickly, uh, apprenticeship program is where a student would have a job in the field first, and they're going to come in for two-month stints at SAIT for their education side, and then 10 months at work. AST is a two-year diploma program where the students will come in and do their two years of education, and then they'll go out in the workforce and complete their hours for their certificate. And then we have a pre-employment, which is a 15-week program where the students will come in and learn 
the first period of training, and then they'll join into the apprenticeship program once they're working in the industry again. Okay, thank you for sharing that. So, you know, you've been with SAIT for quite a while, and so I'm sure you've seen lots of changes, but, you know, how has the School of Transportation really adapted over particularly the last few years to teach students about electric vehicles? Um, You know, is there a specialized course that students can take to work on just EVs? Like, are you able to share just a little bit about that? Because they are quite different in some ways from a traditional ICE vehicle. Yeah, there are lots of surrounding systems in an electric vehicle that support an electric drive propulsion. And that's the part that is maybe misunderstood a little bit. The the brake system has to be slightly different, uh, where electrically it can apply the brakes without any of the hydraulic activity taking place when you push the pedal. Uh, Same with power steering has to be electric power steering, not hydraulic anymore. When you think about an electric vehicle, it really is more than just the propulsion system. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of those supporting systems that go in and around it. So there's tidbits of EV training that really goes into every section of training as we're going through steering, as we're going through brakes, as we're going through suspension. All of these items differ slightly, but they still generically are the same as regular vehicles. Or when I say regular, I mean an internal combustion engine. So an ICE engine. The ICE engine, still, those vehicles, when they're being sold, though, they are absorbing a lot of this new technology for the brakes, for the steering. So that way, a manufacturer only creates one system that can apply to all the different vehicles, regardless of propulsion systems. So that's one thing that really kind of needs to be clarified before we get too deep into it. I didn't know that. So you're saying that a lot of the manufacturers are basically adapting ICE vehicles, so they're operating on similar systems to EVs. They are very similar when you think about it. I mean, you get in a car, drive it to your location, you're still going to need a heater, you still need a seat, you still need a steering system, you still need some way to operate the vehicle, i.e. pedals or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Uh, You still need mirrors, you still need windows to go up and down, you still need a defogger. So all those items are the same. Right. It's just the propulsion system that really is different. And these days, only about 5% of the vehicles are actually full electric vehicles. Uh, there's a little bit more when you include hybrids as well, mm-hmm. but for for that small portion of vehicles that are electric vehicles, it doesn't really make sense at this time to have a dedicated program for it because the only people working on electric vehicles day in, day out are going to be the real experienced people at the higher end shops and dealerships that are going to be working on them. Mm-hmm. At the lower level, we're, safe. we're trying to train students to get into the industry, to be competent in the industry, to be efficient in the industry. If we just focused on EV, they'd be missing 95% of the technology. So right. it wouldn't really make sense at this point to go that way. However, more EVs are coming. We know that. We know internal combustion is going to slowly disappear, and we know more electric vehicles are coming. Um, the, the government wants it. The manufacturers have been announcing it. The shareholders are happy about it. 
you know, everybody seems to be somewhat happy about it. And it's going to be a long transition. It's going to take 15, 20 years to slowly go through that transition while infrastructure dials back on the the fossil fuels and, and you know, gasoline and diesel, and they're going to dial up on the electrical. Right. So I know that the infrastructure will keep up with what we're doing these days. On safe side, we've got a lot of exciting things happening with electric vehicle technology because we know it is coming and we have to prepare our students for it. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's an interesting point because, yeah, as you've pointed out, most vehicles on the road right now are ICE vehicles. But as you kind of mentioned, we know that that's changing. So are there any plans at SAIT to for the, the coming decades, for like maybe the next decade on how the automotive uh, programs at SAIT will evolve as more people start driving EVs? Currently, what's happening, again, I mentioned that we have, you know, little tidbits of information where we talk about integrated brake controllers for, you know, EV braking or regenerative braking. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have, you know, electric power steering that we talk about. We have, you know, more battery information that we talk about. And the majority of programs are today are spending about 20 to 45 hours, depending on which program you're in just introducing electric vehicle and high voltage vehicles to begin with. Moving forward, uh, SAIT has already received uh, $850,000 donation from RBC to move forward in this realm. And we've already dedicated some of those funds to purchasing some equipment and vehicles so that we can grow our EV training. Alongside with that, SAIT's working with our facility management area, and we're looking at uh, creating a dedicated electric vehicle training space. And that should be coming up within the next few years here uh, to have a dedicated space, which will, uh, you know, have an EV center of excellence or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. We're redesigning our two-year diploma program currently where we have faculty writing additional curriculum and additional information towards the EVs. So as part of, uh, you know, our, our current delivery and then moving forward, it's definitely in our sights and uh, it's it, very exciting, you know, working towards this, creating some good EV training. Uh, specifically right now, I'm working in a manufacturer training program and uh, I'm able to deliver a lot of the manufacturer specific training to a lot of the students as well. So a lot of that is taking place and will be taking place in the future. It's quite exciting. Right. So as transportation kind of evolves, so too does the the program and the courses that you offer. So that makes sense. So lots, it sounds like lots, lots of changes or lots of additions are coming. Absolutely. So you kind of talked a little bit about the regenerative braking. Can you just explain a little bit more about what that is and the types of considerations a technician needs to be aware of before beginning repairs on a car that utilizes that type of system? Sure. I'll just kind of sum up the technology to begin with so we know what we're talking about. Okay. The the concept of braking is uh, traditionally you would take friction materials, squeeze it on a disc, and it would dissipate heat by slowing the disc down. So, so you're taking the energy from the fuel, the propulsion, moving the vehicle forward, and we're transforming it into heat 
to slow the vehicle down and then throwing the heat away into the air. Okay. The concept of regenerative braking is to not lose that energy, which we've been throwing away as heat for years. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens with the vehicles that have regenerative braking? So this would be um, many hybrids and electric vehicles, high voltage vehicles, even so much as a lot of heavy equipment have some interesting regenerative processes with accumulators. And the idea is when you're braking, when you're slowing down, you're going, the driver, the operator will actually press on the brake pedal, but it's not going to apply the friction brakes. So when you're pressing on the brake pedal on these electric vehicles, most of the time, it's not actually applying your brakes anymore. What it's going to do is it's going to take that motor that it used to accelerate your vehicle and it's going to reverse it turn it around so that as you apply the brakes now that motor is going to create electricity by slowing your vehicle down and that electricity that gets created is then stored in a battery for your next usage so Mm -hmm. so the same way that we use the energy from the battery to drive the vehicle slowing the vehicle down, we're taking that energy, recreating electricity and putting it back in the battery to regenerate the battery as part of the braking. What an interesting concept. <laughs> oh, it, it's excellent. And it makes complete sense. Yeah. You know, when, you're, when you think about throwing all this heat away, it doesn't really make any sense because you've paid money for fuel mm-hmm. and now you're throwing the energy away. Right. So, so it really is a novel concept. And it makes sense in all essence of the manner. Um, the problem is now, though, every vehicle to date, when you press the brake pedal, it's connected to a hydraulic system that's going to apply the brakes. Now, when you apply the brakes, it's going to connect to an electrical sensor, and that sensor will then determine how much braking you require. And then the vehicle will make a determination on are we going to just do regenerative braking or are we just going to do friction brakes or is it going to do a combination of both because it can apply the friction brakes on its own and it can do regenerative on its own. Okay. All you've done as a driver is provide an input to how much braking you require and then the vehicle will make a decision on what's the best way to slow that vehicle down. Now, electric vehicles, all vehicles, I should say, still have hydraulic brake systems because if you lose electricity, you still need to stop the vehicle. So there is always a backup emergency system to brake the vehicle. That's important to know. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why there is still a full hydraulic braking system just for that reason there. Okay. So the considerations a technician would need to know is really based on the idea that the vehicle can apply the brakes whenever it wants. Many vehicles now have, you know, a hill start feature where you let off, you know, if you stop on a hill at a light and you let go of the brake pedal, the vehicle will actually hold the brakes until you apply the the accelerator so that you can move forward again. Mm -hmm. So the vehicle is able to apply the brakes even when you don't know that it's applying the brakes. As a technician, If you pull the wheel and you pull the rotor and it started applying the brakes, you could crush something in those brakes. You could pop out the pistons. It could cause some damage in there. 
So technicians really today have to be aware of vehicles that use this integrated braking system because the vehicle can apply the brakes at any time. So you really have to follow special procedures and specific procedures for the manufacturer just to make sure that you're you're doing the work on these vehicles properly and you're not going to cause any damage while it's on the hoist. Right. That's good to know. And then like are there other specialized systems in EVs that like even an experienced automotive technician might not know how to repair? There's new technology that comes out just about every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's what makes the trade really exciting. Uh, you know, a good example for for one small example of this, when you do an alignment on a vehicle, you have to kind of roll the vehicle a little back and a little forward to set the sensors and kind of make the alignment machine work properly. Right. And some vehicles now, when they detect that the key is off, and the vehicle starts rolling, it'll apply the brakes. So you have to disable that system in order to roll the vehicle forward and backward so that you can do the alignment. Right. As far as steering goes, many vehicles with this electric steering, they have the ability to sense the lane, they have the ability to have electric power steering, so vehicles will keep their lane. So you've heard of you know, autonomous vehicles and the lane keep and lane avoidance, all sorts of technology regarding it. Well, it will turn your steering wheel even when you don't want it to turn your steering wheel at times. So as a technician, we want to know how the base vehicle is operating before all that technology goes in and corrects the vehicle. Right. So so there's a lot of little things like that that technicians need to stay caught up on. Whether you're experienced and been in the trade for a long time like myself mm-hmm. or whether you're new in the trade, all these little details are unique to manufacturers, unique to certain vehicles. And it, it is a lot of work to stay ahead of it. But right. in my opinion, it's it's fun. It's not work. It's enjoyable. It's en- yeah. So, you know, OK, I one of the concerns that I've heard from people who are maybe considering purchasing an EV is they don't feel that they can take it to any mechanic shop, right? They they think that they need a, a specialized mechanic, somebody who has that experience specifically working with EVs. From your perspective, a mechanic who is maybe just, like you said, there are always new technologies coming out and it's kind of on the technician to stay up to date and kind of learn about these new technologies. Do you think, like, if I went out and I purchased an EV, how <laughs> confident can I be just taking it to any mechanic shop? Or do I do I need to do my research and go to a shop that has experience specifically working with EVs? You would want to bring it to somebody who's got experience working with EVs. Um, To put it as bluntly as possible, uh, you know, the majority of hybrid and electric vehicles, they're holding upwards of 300 volts direct current, and that will very quickly kill someone. The ability to work around high-voltage systems, you need to know your safety procedures so that you don't electrocute yourself. So that's the first thing. You want somebody who has at least taken some safety training Mm -hmm. and aware of some of the precautions. Um, Furthermore, these vehicles, not just these vehicles, all vehicles have incredible 
data technology, computer technology, networking capabilities. And EVs, because they're most recently created, all of them have this high-end technology. So you will want to bring it to a place that has the ability to work on some of this advanced technology with the networking and communication that goes in between these vehicles. Absolutely. You should bring it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Thank you for clarifying. Do you think that electric vehicles are the biggest change that we'll see in transportation, specifically during your career? So, you know, ICE vehicles have been, and electric vehicles have been around for a really long time, but they're really gaining in popularity over the past five or so years. Um, do you think that this is the biggest change that we'll see to transportation, or do you think something even <laughs> bigger will come along? Well, yeah, I, you know, predicting the future, uh, I have no doubt that we will be the Jetsons at some point where we're not wearing out tires and we weren't, we're not going to need roads, we're not going to need any of that. But uh, I don't think I'll see that in my lifetime anyways. I'm, and, and then uh, another side of this question, you asked about, will I see, will this be the biggest change I'll see in my career? Well, I'm old. So <laughs> I've, I've seen the transition of points to electronic ignition, to sensors, to um, fuel injection from carburetors. I, I've been through these changes. I've experienced these changes. I'm comfortable with them. Uh, so you know, I've gone through a lot of changes over the years. And one thing I've learned about the automotive industry, about every five to seven years, vehicles are darn near new. Mm -hmm. They're darn near yeah. brand new vehicles. Again, new sensors, new technologies are coming out all the time. So the, the transition rate in automotive has always been so fast. You know, for for an industry that's really only been around about 110 years, um, for a, a strong part of the industry, it uh, it's transitioned considerably. And even you would know that when you think back of the vehicles that we were driving in when our parents were driving and we're yeah. sitting in the seat are way different than the vehicles that we're currently operating today. So with that said, we've seen huge changes and we're going to see huge changes. I have no doubt about that. However, the, the transition of getting rid of internal combustion engines and going to some other type of propulsion, whether it be an electric propulsion or whether we have some other type of system that comes up in the future, I don't know. Really what we're changing is the engine and the transmission. The rest of the vehicle, you you still need your wheel bearings. Again, you still need brakes, still need steering, still need tires. And those are all common amongst all the vehicles, not just electric vehicles. However, the biggest change and the biggest fear that I have with a lot of the youth getting into the trade is dealing with this 300 volts. And I really just want to uh, implore that everybody is safe out there and nobody gets into uh, something they shouldn't be getting into. These batteries, when you take them out of a vehicle and you open up the lid, that's 300 volts sitting there. You can't just lick your fingers and start right. touching. <laughs> I hope not. All right. So, Matt, how far away do you think we are from being like the Jetsons? I think we're 15 years away from being dominant in electric vehicles okay. for common people to purchase. 
As far as vehicles being able to fly us around, uh, drone technology, which SAIT also has drone pilot license training and all those things as well. So the drone technology now is to the point where it can pick up, uh, you know, a, a car load, let's say as a joke anyways, mm-hmm. it can pick up, you know, a family full of people and bring them to another location through the air, all with just guided technology without anybody in the vehicle actually operating it. And that goes along the way with, um, you know, people delivering medical supplies to far parts of the world. Well, this drone technology, in my mind, is the Jetsons technology. It's not as far away as we think, but it's also, again, going to be limited by infrastructure. We don't know if perhaps if you're heading north, you got to be at 500 feet. And if you're heading south, you'd be at 300 feet or yeah. you know, who knows what the rules of the road will be like, who, who, how the driver's license will work. There's a lot of lot of bureaucracy that's got to take place mm-hmm. before that happens, where electric vehicles, all the infrastructure is already there, except for perhaps, uh, you know, making sure that we can charge all of them. Right. But, you know, the fear I hear everybody say all the time as a counter to electric vehicles. Well, if all the vehicles were on the road were electric, then we would have no way to support the infrastructure electrically. And yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with that. You bet. But when Henry Ford started mass producing Fords, there weren't gas stations at every corner either. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It changes. The infrastructure changes as the technology does. Years for that to happen. And all the energy companies know this is taking place. They're on board with it. They know that energy production and electricity creation are going to be the way of the future as well. So as vehicles become more prominent, I think the infrastructure will also become more prominent and I have no doubt we'll be able to keep up and manage this. Well, Matt, thank you so much for talking to me today on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. My pleasure. If anybody wants to reach out to me at SAIT who listens to this podcast, I'd love to hear from them and I love to have discussions on it. And how can they reach you? They can reach me at matt.carpenter at sate.ca. And we'll put that in our episode description so that you can find it easily. Thanks, Matt. That was my conversation with Matt Carpenter from SAIT. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you'd like to get in touch with myself or Allison, make sure to join our EV Life community on the AMA mobile app. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to us so you never miss an episode. We have new ones coming out every Monday. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye.